Yeah, praise God. Great to be in God's house with you, live and in person, as well as those of you joining us online. I want you to know we are having the service here, as you know. Great packed house today. So good. You look amazing. Yeah. We are going to, uh, you know, we will add another service as soon as we have enough volunteers to uh, staff everything. So if you haven't signed up yet online, thanks for everybody that has. But you can go to our website and fill out an um, application like to uh, volunteer in the various areas of ministry. We need people everywhere uh, throughout the whole thing as we have to reboot and restart after all the, the craziness that's been happening. And so if you want to do that, there's a spiritual gift test you can take. Please do that as well. It's free. It gives you some uh, information, and you send it to me, and we'll work with you to see where God has you. He's amazing. So every week I ask you some accountability questions, and I've been doing it at the beginning of the service for a long time. But usually, um, probably uh, two-thirds of you aren't here at that point in time, and so, and, and that's okay. I'm not, uh, you know, you get here when you get here. I'm glad you're here. I just want to ask you a couple questions here. Did you spend some time in God's Word this week just listening to what God had to say to you? Did you do that? Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Have you spent some time alone with God with no agenda of your own, not like telling Him what He needs to do for you, but just to be with Him? Did you do that? All right, are you giving to God with your time, your talents, and your resources? Very good. All right, thanks for the lights. That'll keep them awake. Uh, The cafe's open, too, and you're welcome to bring your coffee into the church. You know, totally fine with that. Um, All right, did you invite someone... uh, to church with you today? Very good. Did you share Jesus with someone? I'm going to ask you another question here in just a minute, but let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity to gather and worship in your name. God, we pray that you would just be with our nation. Lord, the leaders, the political priorities, God, we ask you to move in our government. God, we need Jesus, and we ask you to do that. Lord, we're not asking just for the government. We need you in the church. Lord Jesus, we do not want to have church without you. Holy Spirit, we need you desperately. And so, Lord, help us to just be lost into you and do your word and have your way. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Faith. Yeah. Faith is such a simple little word, and yet it's so complex and challenging when we get into it. Every one of us here present and those of you online, we all have faith. We do, even if you don't know Jesus yet. Everyone has faith in something, and it requires faith to live. It does. So as we consider this today, and we look at the level of faith we have, I want you to know it is God's desire to build up our faith into a factual walk with Him. Yeah. You know, we... uh, My mom graduated to heaven a few weeks back on Sunday morning, and as she did that... You know, I'm always blessed when I do the funeral services and memorial services for believers. When you know someone's walked with God and they're with Him, it's such a great thing. They no longer need faith. There is no such thing as faith in heaven. It's so real, and it's like that moment of breathing in and being in the presence of God. So here's my mom from this 91-year-old person that was suffering with some dementia issues in the last remaining days of her life. Breathing here and just sustaining life and then stopping to breathe and breathing in the eternal breath of God in his presence. And I'm like, man, God, that is the coolest thing that you do that. But I want you to know that God desires a 
tangible, real, factual walk with Him. And your faith can increase to the point, and my faith can increase to the point, where the doubts disappear. And the evidence and the reality of God becomes normal. And so as we look at this, I want to challenge you with this question looking into Scripture. What happens to your faith? This was not one for you to answer out loud. Do I have to say that a second time? Don't answer this out loud. If someone answers out loud next to you, hit them for me. All right. Nick, what happens? What, what happens to your faith? I'm, I'm just teasing you, buddy. I love you. What happens to your faith when you come face to face with an impossible situation? Literally impossible situation. What happens to our faith in that moment? Last week, we began the service sharing about uh, Jesus and his death on the cross for us and that, and then we went into the story of Lazarus. And as we looked at Lazarus' death and the interaction that took place with um, Mary, Martha, and Jesus and that whole thing, we're going to start there today and uh, go from there into where God wants us to be. But I'm going to reread those scriptures just so you know, but we're not going to stop where we did last week. We're going to continue to read a little bit further because... you know, the, the response given to Jesus is pretty awesome. So let's, let's go here in John chapter 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Martha, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. All right. So Jesus gives assurance to his disciples, I've got this. But he doesn't do anything. And Lazarus dies. While he's delaying, staying where he was and not doing anything, like he was requested to do. So finally, Jesus goes to see Lazarus and his sisters. And we, we started here last week, and we're going to read this section and then continue. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's where we ended last week. We just stopped right there because we were like, you know, we always put those requests to God and we think he should do more than he is. And we think he ought to do what we ask him to do and that he needs to do it the way we think he needs to do it. Right? And so this is exactly what she says to him. If you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. But she didn't stop there. You ready? Listen to this part. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Isn't that awesome? She's like, ah, you should have been here, but I know God will do whatever you ask. So Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, I do. 
All right. Yes, Lord. I didn't tell you not to answer, so it's okay. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Man, there's some amazing testimony right there from Martha. When we face what seems impossible situations, what is our reaction to God himself and the word of God and what it says to us? See, when, when Martha responds to him, she made two faith statements. I know God will do whatever you ask, and I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. I know you are the one. So Martha's faith is super strong. She's like, I know you, I know God, I know anything can happen with you. Now let's look at Martha's response when she comes face to face with what she said she believed. We move down a little bit. They're at the Lazarus tomb. Jesus says, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead four days. The smell will be terrible. Okay. Like, whoa, wait a minute. What changed? Seriously, like, think about it. What changed? For her step right there to him, it's like, I know God will do whatever you ask. I know he will. So she was hinting towards Jesus being able to do something in the current situation. And I know you're the one. Now it's like, here we are. We're at the tomb. There's a dead guy inside. And he's been dead for four days, and so he does smell. And so the reality of the death that she knew was inside the tomb somehow affected her. Somehow something was different from the proclamation facing Jesus than the proclamation facing death. There was something different. Something happened. It's not that she didn't have faith in who he was. She didn't have faith in the situation that she knew. It's a big difference. There's something happening in front of her. Okay. See, as we face things in our life, sometimes we face things that stink. (laughs) Right? And our thought is, he could have, he didn't. He could have, but he didn't. And we end it. (laughs) I know you could have, but you didn't. So obviously, I missed it, you missed it, we missed it. We'll just leave it. It stinks, it's gone, it's dead. Leave it where it is. See, last week when we were looking at the message that God brought to us and then tying it in with today, we looked at the children of Israel by the Red Sea. And God brought them to that place and he trapped them for his glory and purpose. We saw Daniel in the lion's den and how God had a plan for Daniel to face death, certain death. But God had another plan. 
what we find is, even when we look at Jesus' death on the cross, even his followers just said, I don't know what happened, but that didn't work. Right? They did. They were freaked out. Nothing seemed right because he was also dead. He was behind a stone. Nothing seemed right. Nothing felt right. They were scared, gathered in the upper room. Their thought was, we're next. (laughs) So, what happens oftentimes, I've been a pastor for a lot of years. And I've been around the Christian community and we like to quote verses and say things. We do, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying, we like to talk about the impossible. So we know that God is the God of the impossible, and we quote those verses offhand, and you get those little memes sent to you with those little verses, and devotions talk about it, and pastors do, and churches do, and we may even put plaques on our wall, the God of the impossible, anything's possible, with all that stuff, Right? But it's a lot easier to believe God is the God of the impossible in the Bible events and the events of other people's lives. But when it's you facing the tomb, something's different. Because you see, we get a waft of the stench and we just think there's no way. You know, it's like, well, it was a good run, good try thought so and we have that little cliche we all wasn't god's will that's our escape that's our escape of everything i don't mean that wrong we need to ask god's will but a lot of times when things don't happen we just say wasn't god's will i want everybody to remember that god has given us a will and it affects god (laughs) see the word of god says that it is God's will that none perish. See, God's will is for everyone to be saved. That is the will of God. Not everybody will be. That's the will of humans. Okay, don't forget it. So sometimes, I'm just going to say, I'm not all the time, but sometimes I believe we, and myself included, have faced situations where we stop believing because it stinks now, it's dead. And therefore, it's over. And we don't talk to God about it. We don't believe God for it because it's dead. So God's saying, do you believe that I am the God of the impossible? Do you really believe that? Or do you just say it? See, let's visit the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as, and he is called the weeping prophet. And the reason is, is because he brought a lot of bummer messages. It was God's word, but he did. Most of his messages were telling the people, God's going to punish you and judgment's coming. And Jeremiah himself was wrecked with these messages. He didn't like them. Not that he didn't like God. He didn't like what he was seeing. He had visions of stuff and it freaked him out. God was about to destroy the nation of Judah in the city of Jerusalem. And Jeremiah was the man of God to, to just go forth and proclaim that message. So you understand, he, there wasn't a lot of people excited about Jeremiah's preaching. <laughs> he wasn't a very popular guy. But he was faithful to the word of God. And he warned the people. And sure enough, it came. 
King Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian army came. And they had come once, but this time it was to destroy the place. And they had the city under siege. People were starving to death in the city. The, the armies of Babylon were around it. They were not, they cut off all their food supplies. They offered surrender to, that they were going to destroy him. Jeremiah had warned them. God's word was coming true before their very eyes. So now, this is the craziest, coolest thing what happens. God speaks to Jeremiah while this is going on. So the army is visible outside the wall. And uh, God says, hey, Jeremiah, I want you to buy some property right here. <laughs> like, seriously, God told him, you're gonna, your cousin's going to come and he's going to offer you his land. I want you to buy it. In the middle of a siege, when God said they're going to be destroyed and I'm going to disperse them to all the nations, now go buy some land. All right? <laughs> so... Sure enough, Jeremiah's cousin comes to him and says, hey man, I got some property I want to sell you. And he's like, okay, I, I'll, I'll buy it from you. And he does. And he buys it. And he takes the, the deed to the city officials to make it a, fine, a, a real deal and all this stuff. And God tells him, like, when you take this to them, put it in a clay jar because I'm going to have you bury that title. It's going to come in handy down the road. It's not for right now. Okay. So all this is going on when the army's right there in certain defeat. And remember, Jeremiah is the one that had said this is going to end bad. Yeah. It's all going to be bad. The city's going to be destroyed. Everything taken. You're going to go into captivity, etc. So here it is. Listen, Jeremiah chapter 32. Then, this is, this is uh, Jeremiah speaking. Then I said to Barak as they all listened. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Take both the sealed deed and the unsealed copy and put them into a pottery jar to preserve, preserve them for a long time. For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Someday, people will again own property here in this land and will buy and sell houses and vineyards and fields. So in the midst of utter despair, God brought a message of hope for the future. Okay? So now Jeremiah had to live it out, right? And pull out his own wallet and buy this land, right? So think this through now. After this transaction happens, Jeremiah's pretty awesome. He just writes it out. He comes and he prays to God. We're going to look at his prayer in verses 16 through 24. We're not going to read them all. You can do that later. Here's what it says. We're just going to highlight a couple things. Listen to the opening of his prayer. Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Isn't that awesome? Jeremiah's like, man, God, you have done it all. You can do it all. I know who you are. All right? So then Jeremiah goes and tells God in his prayer, I know what you did for our people from Egypt, the Exodus, the Red Sea. He's talking about all the impossible things God has done. Now let's look at the conclusion of his prayer. Check it out. This is pretty awesome. See how the siege ramps 
have been built against the city walls. Through war, famine, and disease, the city will be handed over to the Babylonians who will conquer it. Everything has happened just as you said. And yet, O sovereign Lord, you have told me to buy the field, paying good money for it before these witnesses, even though the city will be handed over to the Babylonians. That's the end of his prayer. (laughs) God, I know you're God and you do it all. And I know you're doing exactly what he said, but hey, it cost me something. God, that was my money. Check it out. Isn't that awesome? Man of God, he really was, and he is. And as you think about that and you look at that prayer, I think about how often I've prayed like that. God, you're the God of the impossible. You're amazing. You can do anything. I know what you've done in my life. But right now it stinks, and I really could use a little something changing. <laughs> right? God's a God of his word. He's already done everything. He's done exactly what he said he would do. And somehow in this moment, there's these questions that seem to come up in us for this moment. Yeah, but that's that, you know, like, I just paid good money for that land. I'll never live there. That's what Jeremiah's thinking. He's not. God said someday it's going to happen. He didn't say, Jeremiah, you're going to own land. No, you got land, but you're never going to live there, Jeremiah. Thank you for doing that. Good job, buddy. Go bury it. Seriously, that's what God told him to do. Go bury it. So, you know, when, when I look at that, and I'm thinking about all that he's talking about in his personal faith, and the fact that he wouldn't receive anything from his investment personally. But God was doing something himself, right? God was doing something. And he was planting a seed of hope in a generation that saw no hope. Remember what they were looking at? The Babylonian army was there. There was a siege. There was people starving to death. And God just planted this little seed of hope. And yeah, it cost Jeremiah a few bucks. So what? It's kind of funny how sometimes we as God's people want God to do stuff, but we also want to see the results and be part of the harvest. (laughs) Like, I want to eat the fruit too, you know. I don't want them to just have a feast. I want to sit there at the table with them at least. I mean, I paid for it. (laughs) Sometimes God's asking us to have faith and obedience to him when we will receive nothing personally in the moment. Those are the situations a lot of times we think stink. That's kind of like what Jeremiah was looking at. It's like, man, I could have just flushed my money down the toilet. It was, it's gone. I mean, God's doing something. Okay, so I I want you to know, and God wants you to know today, God is doing something. He is. And he's asking us to be obedient, no matter what it looks like or feels like in the moment. He says, do you have faith to trust me? So you know how we do those quotes that we were talking about a little while ago? 
about the, the God of the impossible and how he wants us to believe in who he is and that he is doing something and he's up to something and, and it doesn't matter if I receive it or not. God's doing something. So one of those verses we often quote, and you all know this, you've heard this a bunch of times, for I could do everything through Christ. Go ahead, you can say it. Yeah, who gives me strength? We all know it, right? I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And so like we grab that verse and we'll throw it out there. And it's really popular. Um, but you know, oftentimes we don't quote verses in context. Do you know what Paul was actually talking about right here? See, when we read the verses before this, it, it really does change the meaning of how we use it. Because when you start in verse 11, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church about a contribution they've made to him in his ministry. And he's thanking them. And this is what he says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah, a little different, right? He's like, this is what I've learned when I have a full refrigerator or an empty one. I know I will make it because of who I live for. In a house or on the street, whatever's happening. See, the God I serve, He knows me. He's got me right where He wants me. No matter what. He has not forsaken us. The Apostle Paul's telling us, man, I can do it all. I can face it all. I can live through it all, whatever it is. Whatever's coming my way, I have the faith that I need in my Savior, Jesus Christ, that whatever it is, I'm good with it. See, my faith or my situation that I'm facing, it doesn't bring me contentness. You know, like if I have a full refrigerator, it's like, yeah, we got food, I'm good. But if it's empty we kind of get a little bit of that anxiety of the butterflies toss and turn on our pillow. We're trying to figure everything out. What do I need to do differently? Where do I need to go? What is it? We have? You know, I'm talking to Christian people now. The world is lost and they're confused in the moment. But as Christians, see, I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. I can go without food if I need to. He knows. He'll take care of me. He's amazing. So God's calling us to remain the same. Our faith should remain the same because our God is God. (laughs) So we'll revisit Israel again in their Exodus account. And as we're looking at this situation we're going to, it's found in the book of Numbers. And as we do, we're looking in, in this section when the people are whining again. They did a lot of that. They didn't like what God was doing for them. They wanted something different. You remember, like, they didn't have food, and God brought manna, and that word in the Hebrew is, what is it? There was, like, it's a non-translatable word. It's, it was for them as well. It was like, you know, what is this? And that's what they called it. What is this? It was God's food. It was God's food. And they just picked it up off the ground. So they could do a lot of stuff with it. If you listen in the Word of God, if you read that, 
It says they could make bread out of it. They could turn it into flour. It tasted a little bit of sweetness to it. They could do a lot of different stuff with it. But they just started complaining, like, man, this stuff sucks. I'm so sick of eating this. If I just had some meat, I'd be, man, I'd be a happy man. Now, Dave's that way. I just want you to know. <laughs> That's all I need. I could just live on it. You know, I'm a meditarian, so I'm totally getting it, you know. Like, just keep that other stuff over there. I'm fine, you know. But anyway, they're eating manna, and they're complaining about it. And so, you know, God's, Moses is talking to God, and, and it's not like God doesn't hear all the whining. Just, just want to throw that out there. It's not like God doesn't hear all the whining. He hears it. And so this little conversation takes place, and this is God speaking. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 11. Say to the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow you will have meat to eat. You were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried. Listen, this is what they were saying. Here's this, God quotes them. <laughs> oh, for some meat. We were better off in Egypt. This is God's response now. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will have to eat it. Did you hear what he just said? And you will have to eat it. And it won't be for just a day or two, or five, or ten, or even twenty. You will eat for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. This is God talking, right? Just want to tell you, like, you should probably stop whining. Just saying. For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you, and you have whined it to him, saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Right? Okay, so this is God talking to Moses. Now listen to Moses' response. Check it out. This is crazy. But Moses responded to the Lord. There are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me, and yet you say I will give them meat for a whole month? Even if we butchered all our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? That's Moses talking. The Lord said to Moses, Has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. This is the man of God, Moses. Church, this is to encourage you in your faith, not to smack you. Listen, I want us to be encouraged by this. Listen to what Moses says here. Now listen, this is the same Moses that saw God bring the ten plagues against Egypt. It's the same Moses who lifted up his rod and the Red Sea parted. This is the same Moses that prior to this, they were in the, the, the wilderness and there was no water and the water that was there was rancid and would kill them. And God said, just, just touch it. It's good. Drink it now. And they did. It's the God who said there's going to be food on the ground in the morning and it was. This is Moses who saw all of that stuff. Then there was no water and he just spoke to a rock and water gushes out. An army came against them and God said, Moses, just go stand on the mountain, lift up your hands. You're going to win. And he did. But when his arms went tired, do you remember that story? They started to lose. So they came up behind him and held his arms up, and God gave them victory. I'm talking about that guy who all of that stuff had happened prior to this moment. 
And God says, I'm bringing meat. He's like, really, God? (laughs) Oh, Lord, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Oh, man, thank God that he is so patient with me. (laughs) Really? Has my arm lost its power? Do you really not know who I am yet? After all that you've seen and experienced in your life, I'm that same God. Church, we need to be reminded today, He's that same God. He is that God. That is the God we were singing to. That's the God we were worshiping when we were raising our hands and clapping. That God. That God. He has not lost His power. His arm is not weak. He knows. He's doing stuff. He has a plan. Why is it that when we face the impossible, we begin to doubt God? We question what He says. In spite of all we know, we tend to be like Moses or Martha in those situations. We know He can, but... And that's usually the way we do it. We know you can, but, you know, it's okay. Whatever your will is, God, I'm just going to walk away from the tomb now. Go, go to the next thing, because it's over. So in the, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, now all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Okay, you've seen these words, right? We've heard that. It's like, church, wake up. doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're going to go through. You can do more than you ever imagined because of the power of God that is within us. See, here's the difference. Moses knew God, heard God, but the Holy Spirit was not in him. Mary and Martha, the Holy Spirit was not in them. He was outside of them. What comes to me and you today in the scripture is there is a, the mighty power of God is within us. The Holy Spirit, God himself lives in you. Therefore, he says, man, God can do anything. He's able. He is able. Doesn't mean he will. But he's able. Do you believe him? See, he's bringing it back to us. See, in our, in whatever it is that we're facing, whatever you're, I mean, everybody in this room, we are facing some type of crisis, faith crisis, something that is in our face. Not that you're questioning God. Maybe you are. Not that you question your salvation. Maybe you are. See, when we're in that faith crisis, whatever it is that we're looking at, and we're like, I, I just don't see any possible way. God's like, do you trust me? Yes, God, I do. But, you know, we, we, we already had the funeral. <laughs> I got all the food at the house. Got the flowers. Everybody's bringing stuff. If you bring them up now, do I got to give it back? <laughs> you know, I'm saying like we we just kind of like bury it, put a little seal there, raise up the tomb and stone, and like we just move on. 
What are you doing right now? What are you doing with what you're facing? Does it feel like it's, there's no way out? Does it feel like there's no answer? Does it feel like God's not doing anything? Do you feel like you've been crawling and he's not showing up? God's like, hey, oh, I know. See, don't forget that part where when God's talking to Moses, he says, I've heard him whining. They weren't praying when they were whining. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they weren't over there like, God, I wish we were back in Egypt. Amen. No. They were talking to each other. They were talking to each other. And God says, I, I, I heard him. I want you to know he hears our conversations. He knows what's happening in our life. He knows our actions. He knows what's going on. God knows what's going on. Don't quit whining. Just be careful. Because God may dump a blessing on you that eventually will make you sick. For real. See, a lot of times we're like, oh, thank you, God. This is so amazing in the moment. Because again, it's like, oh, I'm getting what I wanted. Yeah, sometimes that's not what you want. <laughs> Feels like it in the moment, you know, and he's like, mm, I'm going to teach you something here. Here's a little whooping for you. About day 30, when you're looking at that quail, you're like, oh, where's the manna? <laughs> <laughs> isn't that crazy that's how we are like man I had enough of this start scraping it to the dog under the table you know like mm, I don't know what happened to that but I'm done <laughs> you know I'm a meditarian so I'm just throwing this one in there for your benefit All right. I was a kid you know I was a picky eater still probably am um, but we had peas you know I have no idea why we had peas, but they were there. So I took them and circled my plate with them under the edge. You know, when you're little, you don't, like, think things through, you know. Plate was clean. I'm like, I'm done. Okay, you can get up. Well, hello, somebody's going to pick up that plate, man. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't matter what you look like. God knows the truth. I just want you to know that. Whatever you're tucking under the edge, he's going to expose it, and you're going to be called out on it. He's like, hey, come here, you forgot something. No, no, I didn't. I really did. I, no, I knew what I was doing. You didn't know what you were doing. I knew what I was doing. No, come here. You're not done. Church, please, please, don't just sweep things under the edge of the plate today. Don't walk away, you know, saying, ah, well, it doesn't matter now. God's calling us to have faith. Here's an altar. You need to talk to him. Holy Spirit's so faithful, isn't he? You know, it's great how he prompts us and he pulls us. If you're feeling that pull in your heart today, just come. This is, we, we invite you, we call this the altar. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's just, it's from the Old Testament where people brought sacrifices to God. So we just say that's what this is. Just like, come to God, talk to him. You can talk to him when you're seat. You can talk to him in your car or your home. He's there. But see, when we invite you to an altar, it's like saying like, if you can't get up and face God in front of these people, you won't face God out there in the world. No way. And so we just want to come forward saying, God, I, I hear you. I know what you're saying to me, and I want to come to you. I'm bringing you my Lazarus. <laughs> I'm bringing it to you, Lord. Lord, thank you. 
Thank you so much for your faithfulness, God. Thank you. Thank you for calling me out. When you kind of tuck things under the, under the edge of the plate and just act like everything's good, it's not. Lord, thank you for calling us to increase our faith and to trust God, the God who does the impossible, not who can do the impossible, the God who does the impossible. God, we love you. We thank you so much. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. May that power just increase in us and may our faith increase to a factual walk with you. God, we pray this in Jesus' name.